In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Mysticism. everyone and psychic listeners. I have Dave Ironman here on the show. He was on a previous episode where we talked about the law of resonance. Dave is a personal freedom advocate, shamanic coach, and acupuncturist. And we really wanted to talk about since last time he was on what's been happening in his life and what he has been led to do and the information he's been getting from his guides and what that looks like. So welcome back to the show, Dave. Hey, Nicole. Thanks for having me. It's great that we get to do this again. I know, I know. So we were going back and forth and there's been a lot of things just obviously in the world at large that's been happening that really, I think when we last talked, the law of resonance was a little bit of a, I want to say like deeper, more detailed kind of practice, but you brought up a really good point and that was that there are things people can be doing that might not be as deep in terms of the details of the daily practice. And so before we get into that, I wanted to kind of ask you what's been going on since we last spoke. It's been almost two years now, right? So lots, yeah. lots, obviously. Yeah, like no, nothing's changed in the world at all in the last couple <laughs> of years. Nothing. Well, for me, I have relocated from Eastern Mass to Western Mass, and where it's more around nature, and so the you know tying in with resonance, the idea of just being around nature all the time has really done a number for me. I still go back to where I used to live and see clients there every couple every couple of weeks, and every time I'm there, it's in the greater Boston metropolitan area, it's such a different experience. <laughs> just walk, getting out of my car and just walking into the office, it just there's like a buzz in the air that is not out here. And, so, and every time I come back, there's a certain point, I get off this road, I get off this road, I pass this city, and it just gets more mountainous and more woods-like. That is, my shoulders drop, I relax more, and it, it just seems to reinforce these messages of how important it is to be outside and, and I was about to say disconnect, but it's more disconnect from the artificial and the electronic and, you know, reconnect with the natural, with who we really are, who we're really built in, you know, what better way to do that than out in nature with, with the outside. And so with then, because like we said, there's been a lot that's been going on the last two years. And when you relocated and moved there, what are some of the biggest things that you've noticed outside of just the moving from one location to another and the nature? Because not a lot of people can obviously do that, right? They can't get into nature the way you have. But what's been most prevalent to you and the most eye-opening experience with that? How unnecessarily hurried we are in the cities. We have, we put such an emphasis on all these details. We got to go and this is faster and next and sooner and first is better and got to get there and I got no time to waste and carpe diem and all, and all of this, it's really intense and we really lose so much of our natural rhythm. I found myself saying recently, isn't it weird that we move at the same speed in January that we do in July? Like, why should we be, no one else on the planet, no other creature on the planet does that. That we are, we are out of sync with nature's rhythms. We're out of sync with that. And so every time I go back there and every time I, I spend time there, it's just like, it's, it's, wild to feel it the more I, I absolutely agree that not everybody has the ability to go and, and live in the woods where i do it not everybody um has that sort of uh, fortune however we can start to be able to re reevaluate our minds and say like well, reevaluate our priorities 
what, why am I going this fast? Why am I working so hard? And I've seen a lot of people do that just naturally. I imagine you have too over the last couple of years with the pandemic and like you sit at home and what, why am I killing myself for this job? Why am I acting this way? And all these, you know, deeper truths start to come forward. I've seen a lot of people start to make these sort of shifts, but it's come back to a natural, like natural thing. Like this is who we actually are as animals, as beings. I think that for me, when the pandemic thing first happened, and I've said this before, I was actually somewhat, obviously I would not wish that that happened, right? But it was a gift in a lot of ways from the universe to have it happen, to slow us down and have us reevaluate. But to your point, I also feel like regardless of where you are in the world, if you're in a metro city area or rural or what have you, I feel like we're going back into the habit and through the routine whether it's because we're bored or stuck at home or what have you, like originally it kind of forced us to look inward and do the work. And now what you're saying, or at least what I'm hearing is that it's giving us another opportunity in terms of timing to reevaluate that and make a little bit more the things that we've learned over the time to get it to stick, right? Mm-hmm. There's an urge, you know, we want to go back to what we felt was normal, you know, what we defined as normal, what was, you know, so that the normalcy provides some sort of inherent predictability and safety for us. And it's like, oh, that's the normal. Okay, great. I know what to do. I know the rhythm of this, but we don't necessarily stop and think, is this normal actually healthy or is it an organic normal? It's an artificial normal for us to move at this, at the speed that we it's almost like it reminds me in the beginning, again, way pre-pandemic, a lot of Europeans and people around the, the world would look at our country and be like Americans and their work ethic and the nine to five. And it's not even the nine to five. It's usually the the seven in the morning until the nine at night type of thing. And that we're just these workaholics and we have this quote unquote work ethic that's not healthy. And then the whole world in a way was reset by this. And then people that were in that more paradigm were forced to kind of focus on that. And yeah, I think that to me, that's just a really big eye-opening experience because we're going back to what we were programmed to do as far as the routine and using this as an opportunity to kind of break through a little bit. It's a reminder or it's an opportunity for us, you know, on, on so many levels, of course, I wish the pandemic hadn't happened for so many people who have suffered um, emotionally and physically through the, and financially and all other sorts of ways through the process. And yet we can still look at this as an opportunity for us to do something different. It doesn't, I don't think it's, you know, that it's some that we're going to necessarily as a culture, but I think individually we can, and then that has that a larger effect, you know, the resonance idea uh, that we, the more of us that start to step into it, we create a larger resonant field throughout the country and the globe saying, this is actually the better way of going about it. So I'm, I'm not here really, I'm not really looking in my, in my life to really bash uh, the patriarchy or, or capitalism or America, although they probably have all outlived their usefulness, but I'm here more about promoting the new promoting this idea of like, no, come back to who you really are. Come back to, you are an animal. You are a nature spirit. You are a nature being. And when we can tap into that, all of these things, all of these woes individually, collectively start to lose their teeth, start to lose their grounding when we lean into that identity more. So in your words, what is the heart of the law of resonance? You said it a little bit earlier, but like explain a little bit more for people that may not have listened to the first episode where you were on. And then we can go from how your approach and your thought about how you were practicing it before and what it looks like now and how that's evolved. Sure. So at the heart, the law of resonance says everything is energy and all energy vibrates. And so the law of resonance describes the way that energy uh, that vi- is vibrating interacts with each other. So we like to say that say love trumps hate. And it doesn't necessarily. It's if love is louder, is stronger, trumps hate. If hate is louder and stronger, then that's going to win. I don't, you know, from a, the, from a point of energy, energy doesn't have morals. It doesn't have an agenda. It's just doing its thing. It is. It is. And so, the, you know, from that, that idea, well, we can change that from, oh, this is positive energy or negative energy. It's just energy. And we might like something more than another but it's no different. Red and blue are the same thing. They're both, we could say they're just photons moving through the air. It's electromagnetic energy moving through the air, just at different speeds. They're vibrating differently. 
And so where, what, what we can, when we start to understand that we are able to take some empowerment over our own energy. We're able to say, this is how I'm choosing to resonate. I'm choosing to look at the world in love. I'm choosing to look at the world with positivity and optimism and soulfulness and intention, or I'm looking to, or I'm choosing to, whether it's a conscious choice or not, I'm choosing to look at the world as someplace that's scary, that I'm powerless to do anything about, that it's, that I'm disconnected from, I'm lonely, I'm separate. And both those are choices that we make, whether conscious or or subconscious. And then that is going to, that's going to set our energy. That's going to set our frequency. So then our, the world is going to respond to that. So I've talked to a lot of people say about uh, the pandemic or the crisis in Europe or uh, issues with Black Lives Matter or trans rights or abortion law or voting rights or, you know, the ecology or how many major, major issues that are going on. And it's very easy for, for people to go to a state of, you know, powerlessness and anxiety and worry. And these are not small issues that I'm glossing over, but I'm telling them what I'm advising them. And I admit, I complete, I could be completely wrong on this, but the way I'm advising it is that if you are looking at the situation and that is your response, your response is to go into a sense of powerlessness or fear or anger and resentment then you are just fueling the global energy of that. You are fueling your part of this giant resonant field that is one of anger and fear and powerlessness and, and pain. So it's if you can look at the situation from a space of like, I've got so much compassion for all those people involved and I'm unable to do anything about it. So what I can do is I can hold them with love. Then what I'm doing is I'm adding to the frequency of love to that situation. I'm not in a position as Dave, I'm not in a position to make any calls about anything that's happening in Washington, DC. I'm not in 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 any position. I'm not in say the Senate confirmation hearings for a Supreme court nominee. I'm not a military commander who's able to make uh, calls about what's happening, you know, on the ground, anywhere on the globe. I'm not in a position where I, I I'm able to make a change on laws around voting rights or abortion or any, any big issues. What I am able to do is I'm able to say, this is my little pocket of the world. This is my little pocket of the universe. How do I send out love into that? How do I, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I have is how am I resonating? What am I doing for myself and for the people around me? And what joy and positivity can I spread out into the world? Yeah. And that's not only just empowering, because I know there are some people out there that would be like, oh, we're just going to pray or be in love. And that's all woo woo and, you know, girl or cruncher. And that's fine if that's your opinion. However, at the end of the day, yes, it's a ripple effect of the energy and it's what you're putting out there. It's also, like you said, what attracts other things to you. And then if you want to take action, like if you're feeling really led to do something as far as raising money or volunteering or taking another sort of action and having a voice to a particular subject or topic, then absolutely more power to you related to that as well. But where it starts and where I think to me what really is resonating is it's almost like what I was being shown when you were talking is we forget sometimes we're on autopilot and we're just reacting based on triggers or based on other things. But the moment we recognize that we're about to react to something or we're feeling a certain way, to then take a moment to say, okay, well, is that my truth? Is that something that's really deeply seated in my being and my knowing? Or is that external factors? And then choosing the reaction like you just said. And if and regardless, there's no really right or, in my opinion, there's really no right or wrong way to go about it. It's that you're doing the best you can at that moment in time, right? But it's also just acknowledging where you are at in that process. And the huge part of all of that is truly the awareness and the consciousness that you mentioned. Because so many people, again, in my opinion, weren't necessarily awake even before all these things were happening two years ago. And everything since then has really heightened the sensitivity and the awareness that we've been forced to look both at internal situations and events and external situations and events and the role we play in that. A hundred percent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I completely agree that if you are in a position to make a change, if you, if you, if you do feel that inspiration and that call, you know, then absolutely go ahead and do that. And, um, by all, by all means, we, you know, we need those people who have that inspiration and that activism and, and that drive to do that. And it also, like, you know, like you said, when you alluded to prayer, it's gotta be grounded. It's gotta be authentic. 
It's not like, well, I'm just going to give some money to this and, and who really cares. Or like, I've done my part. I give some money and walk away. Sending you love. <laughs> Sending right, exactly. you love. Like thoughts and prayers. Okay. You yeah. know, it's, it's ungrounded. It's not, it's not real. Right. It's not like, just be like, I can feel the pain of that situation. I can acknowledge it. I can be with it and I can send it love. That's a very different interaction with it. It's and truly full... being intentional behind it. Yes. yes. Even on social media, like your the emoticons and the emojis and the likes and the messages, it's like taking that moment. It's not just liking it, right? Or putting a heart around it. It's like that the moment that you're like, I'm intentionally truly feeling it and sending that out there into the world. That's a big thing. That goes back yes. to the autopilot, right? Yes. I love that word autopilot. And you know, it's, it's a tricky thing with some of it because we don't necessarily know on what level we're autopiloted on, right? And I think there's some degree, I mean, I consider myself fairly self-aware, but I am sure that there are things that are going on in me in my life or things that have yet to show up that, are go, that I'm going on autopilot on that I don't recognize is just my conditioning and it may not be authentic. I think there's constant layers and there's constant places to peel back layers to look, look more deeply and really assess, well, what is my authentic. If I take away the supposed to's of what my partner says or what my family says or what my society says or what my society says based on my gender or my height or my sexuality, if I take that off, what is actually my uh, calling? What is actually resonates and lands with me? That is, that's a, what a powerful position to be in. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I love that you said that. So you made the move, relocated for various reasons. And there obviously were some things that you were going through in your day-to-day life that you saw, okay, this is impacting me, um, both when you were going from where you are now and then the metro area and back and forth. And you saw the energy shift, right? Mm -hmm. So how did that, becoming aware of and acknowledging, and then how you shifted and how you're showing up for other people and how you're making recommendations and advising folks, what does that look like? Well, I'll say that where I live now, one of the reasons that I moved out here was to be more around nature, was to be in a place where the cities and the roadways were built around the natural features, as opposed to where it's just level everything and put up a parking lot, like, oh, we'll put a tree over here. Like there's like it's it's there's an inherent more reverence to the natural landscape. And of course, there's still plenty of places that were place where think places were torn down and and plenty of um you know, disrespect to the, the natural land and the natural caretakers of the land, 100%. It's, but it's a step in that direction. And I'll say that for me, I have, you know, with that, where I move the, the people in the area where I live, it's less of a push just to talk about nature uh, medicine. It's less of a push to talk about um, acupuncture being something that's that can be helpful or shamanic work being something that's helpful and calling. Because they live in it a little they bit live more. In it. Mm-hmm. Right. And not that everybody out here does. I mean, there's plenty of people who are the standard nine to fivers, lawyers, bankers, teachers, but co- collectively, there's an energy of just, oh, what, what is the 90, 90% of people do for fun? They are outside, they go to the woods, they like, like, that's just, that's just part of the, the culture here. So what I have found is that my languaging has shifted instead of this, like calling myself a personal freedom advocate or an acupuncturist, I, I start with saying I'm a shamanic practitioner. And an, and an acupuncturist. I start with that. I'm leading. I'm leading with this idea, and that's a shift for me personally to be a little more bold with that. But it's also more, and it's which is more authentic to me. But it's that's true. It's truly to my heart. Like this is. I'm more about connecting, helping people connect with their natural selves and connect with the land. And so while I I do shamanic work and I and I teach shamanic uh, mentality or practitioner you know, uh, techniques. The heart of it for me is less so much about the specific techniques, but it's about that inherent connection between a person and spirit, a person and the land, the natural, innate, indelible spiritual connection that we all have with the planet, with all beings on the planet, that we're not separate from it. And so promoting that idea is um, inherent. So, so I, I, I tried to more smoothly say this earlier, but I didn't quite, couldn't quite grab it. Is that we, we talk about the authenticness, like if we strip away the conditioning, like who you really are. And under all my trainings around shamanism, there isn't really the sense of like a prophet. There really isn't, you know, in shamanism, there isn't like somebody needs to 
um, interpret these messages for you. There's a holy book that you have to pray to, or this deity. It's more of, it is a direct connection between you and spirit. It's a direct connection between you and the land. Uh, for me, highlighting that in all these different ways, which we can get into, really is the heart of the medicine that I'm offering these days. And even if, even if someone's coming in, we're doing acupuncture, I'm, I'm talking this out. That building that mindset is part of building this idea. That's like saying, okay, let's try to tear down, you know, capitalism, the patriarchy. It's like build up this idea of connection with the land, connection with your spirituality. That has become like the heart of really what I do. Yeah, because if you were to take away society and you were to take away the physical things that you're experiencing now, your home, your job, the technology, like, you know, not trying to talk doomsday, but, you know, if something were to happen and it was just you as a person and the community around you, meaning the people, nothing else, then you would for be forced to go within a little bit more and figure out that connection to earth and nature and spirit and energy because you don't have all the other stuff, the other noise around you, right? A hundred percent. I mean, what happens, we've all been in situations where we've lost power. You know, oh God, for, it's terrible. Even when right? it's just for like 10 or 15 minutes, right? <laughs> right. But if we go long enough, right, there's that first, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I was in the middle of that, that TV show, or I was writing that email or, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, there's that immediate detox that we're hooked in. But it goes, if it goes long enough, then it's kind of like, oh, this is simpler. Why don't we do this more? And read by candlelight. I mean, this is so nice. It's just... It's like bliss when you're disconnected. There, that goes back to the autopilot, right? Yes, yes. And I, I, I'm, you know, we're talking over computers now. I, I have, a, I have an iPhone. I'm, I'm a fan of technology, but it's, you know, the idea of healthy disconnection and the autopilot of like, oh, it's a commercial. Let me pick up my phone. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm doing, I'm doing something medial. Let me pick up my phone. I'm, oh, this, this one bit of stimulus ended. And let me pick up my phone. And we live on that level of autopilot, which is not natural. That that level of high stimulus, uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with high stimulus, but high stimulus all the time ends up really, really wearing us down. And I don't think we're necessarily seeing the effects of it, Of, um, but I think we will over time when we're just constantly in the state. I think it it's a recipe outside of just the psychology of social media, but like, I think it's a recipe for anxiety and depression. I think it's a recipe for OCD. I think it's a recipe for, you know, so many, you know, for insomnia, for headaches, for so many issues that people deal with all across the world. And it's just this, that we don't pause. We don't follow, let's say the natural rhythms, which we are inherently a part of, whether we are living in Times Square or we're living in rural Colorado. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you were saying about that you share with people what it is that you do and who you are being, you know, shamanic practitioner first, I imagine that's also in how you show up and you're intentional in your day-to-day -day life. And when you have clients and people are coming to you, what are, like you mentioned, let's get in, I'd love to get into it, get into the details about what people can be doing. Cause I do think there's the basics, right? Like return to nature, go for walks, like ground yourself, all that. But it sounds like what you've come up with is it's a lot more deeper, right? And intentional. So walk us through that. Sure. There's no shortage of ways, but I like the idea of going for a walk in nature, but I put an asterisk on that. We go for a walk. If you go for a walk outside, but you're on your phone the whole time, you're not really going for a walk in nature. Yes, it's is it. There is still a level of like that's going to be a little healthier than sitting in inside and doing that. But the intentional walk outside, intentionally like looking at the trees, intentionally, you know, and just reclaiming some of that childlike curiosity that we all had of watching the wind move through the trees you know, watching, you know, how a, a bird flies and not, and how do we not believe in magic when we see this thing, just kind of like these little wings lift this bulbous body off the ground. And we had that, we all had that as kids at some point. We kind of just like, oh, fine, whatever. And we lose it. But that wonder is still there. So, you know, it's, it's the intentionality of going outside and connecting. I think understanding seasons, let's start with, like with like really big cycles of day, month, and year. So, what is the energy of winter? What happens in winters? You know, we, everything gets cold and, and the energy gets drawn within, you know, the bears hibernate, the you know, trees have lost their leaves and their energy kind of gets pulled in. And it'd be silly for us not to do the same. 
it's silly for us to go and, you know, go all out <laughs> the way that we do in the summer, right? It's the idea like this is an opportunity for us to go with it intentionally. How do I look at my inner world? How do I have the, the hearth of my inner fire and warm myself through that? How do I step into, so what's the time of darkness? How do I step into my own internal darkness, my own shadow work? How do I, you know, get into that, that, that deep side of myself? And then here in New England, we go through this massive transition between winter and spring that is smoother. Is it though? Because I feel like lately it's been a lot of winter. <laughs> but right. anyway. Exactly. That's exactly it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's the astrological spring, right? This is exactly when we hit the equinox point. But the weather, the seasons are still doing their dance, right? It'll be, it'll warm up and it'll be 60 degrees and then it'll snow. And then it'll, you know, all right, it'll warm and we're moving, go outside, drop the winter jacket, and then everything ices over. And so that's happened, you know, that's, that happens every year. And that's what we've talked about with, you know, I've talked about with my clients and that's shown up for each of them in all these ways. For some people, it's been physiological where I am, I wake up and I feel really good. And I'm energized and I, they just wake up that way. And the other mornings they wake up and they feel really heavy and lethargic and they think there's something wrong with them. And I'm like, you're swimming in the energy that we're all in right now. Other people have felt that uh, relationally where it's, all right, I'm, I've started a new relationship and this is really exciting and I really like this person. We're going out, we drive really well. Oh, they just moved away. Oh, they just broke up with me. You know, and this back and forth, when we give it the context of the seasons, it helps to understand what we're going through. It doesn't necessarily take away the discomfort of waking up feeling achy and sore and lethargic. It doesn't take away heartbreak from a relationship that doesn't work out. But what it can do is it can provide context. And I'm not saying that the weather is causing this, um, but I'm saying that it's part of the energy that we're also in. Right? We talk about resonance. This is the, the energy, these things that are flowing back and forth. And when we can see like, oh, well, this is how it's affecting me. We take it less personally. Yeah, no. And that's, that even just, well, blew my mind you talking about it because it sounds simple, but it's not simple when you actually put it to practice and you think about it. Because for a long time there, I was feeling drawn to share more about astrology. I don't know a ton about astrology, right? It's not like I'm an astrologist or anything else, but I was being drawn to the sun and the moon and other things. And then I was thinking, well, I need to put out content. I need to share about this. And then spirit and my guides were like, no, 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 you just need to be in it and the why about it. And it goes back to just, again, just finding out and being aware of your surroundings and the intention by it and the seasons and also not even just the seasons, but the day to day. Like the sun rises and it sets and then the moon and then it goes on and then there's into the day, day to day in, in addition to the seasons and all of the energy around it. Yes, absolutely. And I, I feel the same way about astrology. I know a little bit, not too much, but I consider it, I often talk to my clients and say, it's like, it's background music. It doesn't control your actions. But if you go into a restaurant and they've got some, I don't know, some like string quartet playing, that sets the mood. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's impossible for you to get angry in that situation, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder. But if you walk into a restaurant and they're playing death metal, mm -hmm. it doesn't make you angry, but it makes you a little bit easier to be a little more irritated, you know, if, if something doesn't go right with your meal. And so it doesn't take away our free will. It doesn't take away our ability. I saw a stand-up comic recently and she said, oh, I don't have commitment issues. There was an eclipse on my birthday, right? And it's kind of like, no, you still have personal responsibility here, right? And like every failed relationship is not say, well, it's just the weather, right? We still have personal responsibility here. But to understand that context takes us out of a victim mode. It takes us out of the world that's happening to me. I am separate from it. And it builds in this idea, I am indelibly connected to, related to, affected by, and therefore affect the energy around me, which to me is, is the, the heart of, is the foundation of shamanism. Before we get into any, like the woo-woo stuff of non-ordinary reality and guides and spirits and power animals, which is a beautiful, beautiful, rich tapestry, which I can proclaim to understand like the tiniest little bit about but to understand that properly has to start with this, this, the foundational idea of like, we are connected to all of that. So I have a friend who's going through a divorce. And when he and his wife first split, he was saying, he's like, I know I'm going to have really good days and I know I'm going to have bad days. 
He's like, but I also, he's like, I heard this very clearly. My guide said to me, it's all going to be okay. And so even when he's having his bad days, he's able to say, I know this is a bad day, but I also know it's going to be okay. And remembering that big picture helps us. It, it softens the harsh edges of life for us individually. It softens that that's times when we take things really personally. So it has a way of kind of uh, blunting anxiety and, and kind of, inhale, you know, because we don't, we're no longer separate. We're part of something larger. Right. It's like, to me, when, when you were talking, I was getting, it's like a heartbeat because there's the law of resonance and there's life and it's all energy, but really it's the energetic heartbeat and the energy of, of life, right? You're born sometimes because the moon's bigger, the sun, you get the gravitational pull, you have your real life experiences that happen with relationships and everything else. There's the ebb and flow and that is life. That's the experience. That's all the things that you're going and experiencing. But it's also just being aware again, going back to that intention, that intentional awareness and um, identifying when it happens to you that you're in the flow of it and it's not the end all be all that there's going to be an ebb and a flow to everything cyclical basically right and that's and isn't that isn't that the way of things right we you know as we are very linear in our mindset but that is also not really the way of things not nothing in nature is a straight line except over a really really short distance like a blade of grass all right or a little bit of you know one side of a of a of a bee's honeycomb right? it's not much in nature is a straight line everything is is angled, is bent, you know, the way a tree moves, the way wind currents go, the way a fire goes, lightning, rivers, you know, all of this is nothing is, is a straight line. So this is just points to our, our conditioning, right? Our automatic belief about the world, our conditioned belief that everything is linear. It's 1995, then it's 1996, then it's 1997, where instead of like, this is just the season. Mm -hmm. This is just, all right, this is, all right, this is, you know, so when a tree loses its leaves, you know, if it's symbolic of letting go, symbolic of death, you know, as humans, we're like, oh no, it's the end. But those leaves then go, felt, you know, break down, nourish the soil, which then feeds the tree. So we can look at those fallen leaves as still part of the tree that are then fueling it, obviously giving food to the insects and the bacteria, and, you know, that are in the funguses who are digesting it and giving it right back to the tree. It's all one continuous thing, which when we can embrace this mentality more can step us out of this linear, rigid, very masculine mentality, which is unhealthy for us. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you were saying like, so some of the things like being intentional in nature and truly intentional, because I also do that. Like I usually am listening to a podcast or something, even though I'm working <laughs> in nature. So maybe I should stop and just be present. And then the understanding about the seasons and how the, just the seasons are impacting the energy around us, but yet we also have free will. What are some other things that you would either recommend or that you put into practice? One of my favorites that is a really simple thing that's can, that snaps me out when I get stuck is remembering just our breath. And a breath is, is something that is, is spoken to, spoken about a lot in meditation and Qigong and, and a lot of these practices. But when we think about what we're inhaling with this breath, that is not what we're exhaling. It's not getting oxygen is not getting converted to carbon dioxide and we just, whatever we're breathing is going right back out. What we're breathing in is becoming part of our bloodstream. So what we're breathing in, we're literally with every breath becoming something new. We are, what we're breathing in is becoming our body. And then likewise, when we're breathing out, we are releasing stuff that has been in our body, maybe for seconds, maybe for decades that our body no longer needs. So for instance, when we, if someone is uh, losing weight, the biological process of where we lose the weight, we don't sweat it out. We breathe it out. And like the actual fat cells is what gets converted into stuff that we breathe out. And so this simple thing of when I'm breathing in, I'm, I offer the prayer of welcome. Welcome to my new self. Welcome to this energy that's coming into my body that is literally becoming my body. And when I breathe out, offer the, the uh, breath of gratitude. Thank you. And it's like, thank you. That energy that served me for some time, again, whether for seconds or for years, it helped keep me alive. It was part of me. And now I return it back to the compost outside of me. That's going to be part of the, the soup that we're in that is going to be used by plants or trees or, you know, become a cloud. Like that sort of recognition 
That's a very simple thing I love to do is breathe in, welcome, breathe out, thank you. Ah, I love that. I never thought about it that way. I learn something new every time I talk to somebody. Like, And also, I had no idea about the breathing out when you lose weight. I also thought it was the burning of the the cells and or the calories and then the sweat. I really did. So, but the the breathing in and the welcome and the out, I always thought a welcome, but not the thank you out. And that it really is taking, it goes back into the cellular level when you're being, when your body is regenerating, you can have a whole new body within a certain amount of time and that you don't have one cell that's part of your being or your body that was before a certain period blows my mind. Because if you think about that, that's the healing process. Yes. Not just physically, right? But all of it. Right. There is so much that you take that to so many more layers that welcome to this challenge that's coming into my life. Welcome to uh, this necklace that's coming into my life. You're here, this crystal that's coming into my life. You're here to work with me for some period of time. And whether you are with me for the rest of my life and I, you're still in my quote unquote possession when I pass on, or whether I gift it to somebody or I lose it or it falls and breaks or something, you're working with me for some time. And then whenever you're done working with me, thank you. Now you go on your way. It's the same thing with relationships. <laughs> yes. It's in relationships. <laughs> Which jobs. is huge. I've been yes. having so many calls from people lately about relationships and it's like, yeah. And it's, you know, that there's a whole rabbit hole for us to go down. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. That's why uh, I was like, yeah. That. <laughs> Absolutely. This idea of being able to say, I'm welcoming this in. And I'm offering gratitude when it leaves. You know, it's rooted in that that idea of in Buddhism of non non attachment. Everything is impermanent, but we can then be more intentional about it, and we can actually then set our resonance, set our energy. I'm when I, you know, if someone's walking into your house or into your office or wherever, and you just kind of let them in without much pomp or circumstance, like okay, fine. But you say, hey, welcome. What a different energy you now just set off that interaction with. Right. Or someone leaves. All right. Thank you so much. Right. Or is it just like, all right, just close the door and they leave. You don't even think twice about it. It's there's um, it changes our relationship to it. Yeah. It's also claiming your space. Yes. And defining what your space is, that your space is here, but it's your space is communal. Your space is relational. And that I think it's really important to have boundaries really important to have emotional boundaries and mental boundaries and boundaries between work and play. I think those are really important. But with that, at, at the same time, it's not an either or, it's a both and, and we are always still connected in a way that cannot be broken. And we can't have a boundary between you and the seasons. You can't have a boundary between you and the weather. Yes, right now I'm sitting inside. And so, yes, I am sheltered from the, the cold and the, the wind that's going on out there, but I'm still affected by it. And so the, you know, the idea of us, um, Claiming our space is really important. And then also that's moving from a place of disempowerment to empowerment, a place of like, oh, I'm, I'm just at a, at a victim to whatever is coming at me versus though I'm actually can do something about this. But also when I'm doing something about this, not as a complete automaton, I'm doing something in relationship to all of these other things, all these other beings to the air, to, I don't know where the, the breath that I'm exhaling right now, where those molecules are going where that energy is going. I have no idea where that's going to go. And so why not send that off with gratitude and love? And that's me putting that out into the collective. Could you imagine if you thought about that every time you breathed in and out? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Like, again, goes back to autopilot. We just do it automatically or sometimes we don't think about it. And so when it is intentional and we are thinking about it, that's what makes it that much more powerful. I want to go back to the nature or the natural elements of things. And if people are not necessarily around it all the time and they can't get outside in nature, what are some things that they can do based on if they're in a bigger city or if it's based on the seasons? Like I, I get what you're saying about not being maybe as active on things that's both in your home or outside your home, if you're summer versus fall versus winter versus spring, but what are some other things people can do? And it might just be a mindset versus being physically out there. Yes, there's a both end, right? So if you're not able to get physically out there, you're not able to, and that's that's all right. You know, there, it doesn't mean that you're you're stuck, right? I would say developing, remembering, just remembering that connection is a big part. Remembering that, say, that my sister lives in Manhattan. Manhattan is still an island, right? At some point in the future, all those buildings will no longer be there. At some point, it's going to, you know, whatever natural things in the island are going to are going to be there again. It's going to 
regenerate itself. The idea is that we can remember, we can, we, there are a couple of things that I'm coming up with off the top of my head. Connecting with the natural wildlife where you live. What is, what are the plants that are indigenous to where you live? What are, what is the, you know, what is the food? What is the, what are the animals that are local to there? So you can say, all right, how do I learn from that? What is the connection that they have to this land? Being curious, certainly about nature. I'm a big fan of, of nature documentaries and, you know, not so much because I need to know everything about every animal. I don't, but it's what I, what I particularly love is when they're able to do stuff with time-lapse photography and you can see how a certain vine is growing up a tree in a way that's like, it looks alive as opposed to it moves at a, at a speed that we don't see with our human eyes, you know, or there's so much that does happen, you know, like a hummingbird when it flaps its wings, you know, we just see a, a little blur that goes past us and we hear it, but to actually see like, this is how it's, the muscles are moving. It just adds another layer of appreciation for it. I think part of this is, you know, if we're not able to be in it and witness it, to somehow remember our connection to it, to have that appreciation of this is what's happening out out there. This is what's out there. So researching, you know, the animals and plants that are local to the area, finding out about the the First Nations people, the indigenous people who lived on that area before uh, whites so rudely kicked them off, and learning about their culture. Like, how did they operate? What did their generations and generations and generations of learning about the land teach them? What are the, what is the, I'm going to use this term loosely. Um, I'm going to, you know, you can't hear on the pot. You can't see this on the podcast. Um, folklore with giant air quotes there. What are the stories that they said about, you know, that they learned about these trees, about why birch has got these striation marks horizontally across it. And whether the story is actually true or not, what it does is when we start to step into that mindset, we start to see the birch as a being, as opposed to just a tree, as opposed to like, hey, all right, the electric company needs to cut this down because it's getting in the way of the wires. Who cares? It's just a tree. But we actually start to see it as, oh, you have um, energy, you have sentience, you have intelligence, you have um, purpose that is going to look really different all those things look really different than us as humans because we're mobile. Trees aren't mobile, right? We have, um, our, our lifespan looks really different. Our growth span looks really different. Our season, our seasonal behavior looks really different, but to start to understand, start to see these beings as beings with personality, with reasons for doing what they do. That's why I use the term folklore really loosely because you know, it's, it's folklore is often equated to myth, which is, oh, it's just something that people made up and, and it's not really real. Well, we know what's real. And who's to say, like, what if, you know, the idea of understanding this can help us develop this idea of, oh, that's, that's my friend, Birch. That's, that's the, that's my friend, Oak. That's my friend, Granite. Like, it's not a, um, it's no longer an it. Like the language we use in English is really interesting. When we talk about nature, we, you know, we talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's not alive. It's an object. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Made me think of several things when you were talking there. One is that, well, that trees are highly intelligent as far as their sense of community, how they communicate with one another, where they share resources, they share water, they they make connections out so that they can continue to grow. They are truly a, commu- a communal and a community within their being and their presence. We can learn a lot from them versus 100%. just taking, they give, yes. they give back, right? And then the other thing that was popping in my mind is I used to have this relationship with nature where if it was raining, I was like, oh, it's raining, like my hair or, you know, whatever. I just have to dress a different way. Or then when it's hot out or it's cold out. And I really have been learning. So if you're in a city and you're not necessarily able to experience nature the way that we were talking about it, I think it's also just being aware and being present of that weather and the season when you're in. I know we said it before, but it's also a different mindset of looking outside and just like embracing it because it's there for a reason. Yes, yes, 100%. Thank you for bringing that up. That's the the... We often say, oh, it's raining. Oh, that sucks. But it's like, why? It's cold out. The wind, it's hot. I want my AC right. on. <laughs> right. 
and not seeing that these things have purpose, that they're healthy. You know, on one level, we can look at, say, like a massive forest fire that wipes out and hundreds of acres as this terrible thing that it, it, all of like these trees are killed and these animals are killed and insects are killed. And on one level, that's a, a totally valid perspective. It's, it's really unfortunate. On another level, fire is pretty old. <laughs> Forest fires are pretty old. Nature knows what she's doing. Nature knows that like, Hey, after a fire, we have all this fertile earth for all this new growth to happen. And we need this. Nature knows what she's doing with hurricanes and floods. It's inconvenient to us and it, and it can be deadly to us. I'm not glossing over for people who have died in, in as a result of forest fires or floods or other natural disasters. But when we can change that, again, even that language, natural disaster to like an event. This is what happened. This is part of nature. This is a thing and it has purpose. And to me, that's one of the, the wonderful things about shamanism is that we can sort of, con we can connect with the spirit of these things and say, what are you here to teach us? And we start to look at from that level scale, like, oh, this giant hurricane is, it's doing something for the ecology. You don't need to worry about it. Or this drought is really important because we're resolving this eco this thing on an ecological scale that humans are, aren't aware of. And it takes us away from us being the top of the food chain. We're part of that cycle. We're a part of that broader sense. And when we remember that, then yeah, we can, we, we're less victimized by the weather. Uh, I love that you use the word inconvenience because I didn't realize how much I probably use that as my thing related to anything, nature aside. It's inconvenient. I can't control it. It's not what I wanted to happen right now. Don't want that in my being or my space or whatever. And ugh, I got to deal with it, right? That's a huge, that's a huge difference if I'm like then just saying I'm aware of it and embracing it and saying, okay, thank you. I'm in gratitude and then releasing it and then just going in the flow. Yes. It's relenting our sense of control to something that's much stronger than us. And that idea that we don't have control over the weather. And I, I'm absolutely affected by it. I definitely, if I wake up and it's a gray day, I'm like, ugh. You know, versus if I wake up and it's a sunny day, I absolutely feel different. Like I'm, I'm not immune to this. It's absolutely a thing. But when we can see it as purpose or like fog, for instance, I had a beautiful teaching from a spirit of fog not too long ago that, you know, it's got purpose. People are like, oh, it's dangerous. Don't go out. Be careful and stuff like that. Well, what if fog is teaching us to slow down? You can't see as far. Or to trust your other senses besides your, your, your sight because you can't see as well. There's all of this, you know, just focus right here on the here and now. Don't think so far ahead. There's all of these lessons that are, you know, built into all of these things of nature. And when we look at them, we only want the days that are 75 degrees and sunny. And that's all we want, you know, then and if we, anything less than that is like, oh, this is terrible. This is awful. You know, then like we're missing out on so much. And I use the term inconvenience because we're part of our culture. And this is, you know, we like to blame social media and the internet, but this absolutely predates the internet is we are very pleasure centered and we are very, we want things to be the way we want. I mean, the 1980s before the internet, it was called the me decade. We're all, you know, it's, it's what I want, what I want it and I'm going to get it. And that's it. And like, I don't have time for pain or discomfort or grief or sadness and particularly as men, we're not allowed to feel anything but happy or angry. And so we're, we have, uh, don't have the capacity when things are boring, when things are, um, slow us down, when things are, take us out of our conditioned, very fast artificial rhythm. And when we actually can slow down be like, wait a minute, what is the, there's a point to us having a snowstorm right now. What is the, you know, what is nature doing by, you know, why do, why do oak trees drop their acorns before they drop their leaves? You know, and we start to learn about this. Like nature is never in a hurry and yet humans are. <laughs> right. We're always are. And we're linear on it too. So we like think things have to be in a certain order that linear, that goes back to that linear. Like I'm going to do this, this, then this. It's not in my control and it's not convenient to me. And I'm not being pleasured in some way based on all of that. Then my world is out of whack and I'm not happy. Right. So there's that. I do want to offer, because I just realized I didn't ask you this to clarify or define from your perspective, a shaman and shamanism, because there's a lot of 
perspectives and, per, in, and opinions out there of who it is, what it is, what the practice looks like. And from your standpoint, how you've grown into this and learned about it, how does that show up for you and for listeners, if you can explain that? Sure. So I'll say that the word shaman comes from a native Siberian language and literally just means healer. And it's got sometimes has the context of someone who communicates with spirits or this often gets translated as a person has a foot in both worlds. Uh, but it's, it's, that's the origin of the term. And native tribes all over the globe obviously have their own language. But in, in English, we just take the word shaman and just apply it to all of that, any indigenous uh, medicine person or spirituality. Uh, where in Korea, it's called Udong, and in Hawaii, it's Kahuna. And every uh, tribe, every language has its own word for it. So the way that I understand, the way that I look at sh- the word shaman specifically, is that's a community term. It is someone who is operating within that tribal community doing that kind of work. So I am not a shaman, and I will never call myself that, because that is not my role in the community. Um, I'm a white person. I grew. I like to joke. I'm a white boy from Jersey, and I don't have any claim to that 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 term. However, this so and shamanism therefore is going to be like the practice of shamans. There was an anthropologist who passed away a couple of years ago. His name was Michael Harner, and he what he studied with a variety of different uh, tribes all across the globe. And what he found is that when you strip away the tribe specific teachings that all of these tribes who had no way of communicating with each other had the same ideas, same, same perspective of how, uh, uh, connect with, how to connect with spirit, how healing worked. And, and there is no way that a tribe in rural Bolivia, what is present day Bolivia or Peru had, would have the same understanding or have communicated with the Maori in New Zealand, you know, or the Lakota in, in present day North Dakota. Like that's not that there's no way that, so what he, what it was, was instructed to do is create this thing called core shamanism, which is tribe independent wisdom about this is native spirituality. And this is a birthright for anybody who's human. And it is, you know, it gets, gets sticky when we start saying like, okay, well, North represents this. Well, North represents one thing. If you're living in, you know, Northern, um, say if you're living in Quebec, North means something different if you're living in Florida. North means something even different if you're living in Brazil or Australia. Or Australia, yeah, right. Right? And so it's not about saying, well, North is this color and it's this animal and it's this element. That's tribe-specific, right? Or, you know, you have to start, you know, this is the way the energy flows. You have to start in this direction. Those sorts of rites and rituals are, are to be held sacred by that tribe, by that lineage. But the underlying energy of connecting with the planet, of understanding its spirituality, of that you have a, uh, rights and responsibilities to in that connection that you are part of the land. You can be the whitest, whitest person, completely you know separate from anything in nature, and you still are a human being. You are still an animal. So for me, shamanism is more about promoting this idea. There are specific techniques that are, are really amazing for healing work for people who want to make some deep changes in their lives. And I do that for people in person as well as remotely. And also, I do that subtly. So when someone's coming in and they're coming in, like I said, a, a client coming in about a relationship that's starting and ending, I'm bringing in shamanic wisdom in, even if I'm not using the terms shamanism or spirit i just by connecting them to this the energy of the of the season by connecting them to the understanding of what's going on around them i'm promoting that mentality well thank you for that because i you know i'm not educated in that area as far as the indigenous peoples and what it looks like here in the united states and in the specific regions in the united states and or on other continents and i feel like sometimes words and definitions get thrown around that i don't even necessarily know what it is and what it means in the heart of it but it feels honest and natural and authentic to me when you're saying it's the core and it's also the core and a belief system. And also I would imagine a way of life and how you're showing up and how you're practicing things, which is why you call yourself a practitioner of this, not necessarily defining yourself as that, right? And that is just, I feel like helpful for other people to understand too, that it's, um, you know, it's 
just another way of showing up and to approach it and to consider things and to maybe even work that into your life and how you're living your day to day. A hundred percent. I get wicked goosebumps when you say that. <laughs> that's, that's, and that's ultimately my goal for myself. And that's ultimately what I'm looking to promote to others is that, that this isn't, it's an all day, everyday thing. It's a way of thinking that, you know, I'm standing in line outside a store and I, and I see, and I consider the brick on the building. What is the journey that that brick, you know, the, you know, that took to get to end up there? Like somebody actually put that there specifically and starting to have appreciation for all of the people who made that possible. When I sit down and eat dinner, it's not just saying grace for a uh, thank you to the chicken whose, whose breast meat I'm eating. It's also considering the journey that that took all of the people involved for that to get here. It's considering ancestors and thinking, you know, how uh, one of my teachers has this quote that says, your life is the result of the love of thousands. And thinking about my problems and my issues in my life from that context really starts to put them in, in a very different light. Like, uh, that's what I'm worried about. Okay, that's not really that big a deal. Yeah, and not just yours, but other people's. Yes. Collectively, all of us that got to where we yes. are today. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, they, not that there aren't things that we need to deal with. Of course there are. But it, it is ultimately this way of life. It's a way of looking at life. It's a way of appreciating Okay, nature is just naturing. Life is just living, right? Thich Nhat Hanh, who passed away a couple months ago, would talk about when he was drinking tea that he was drinking a cloud because that the water in the tea at some point was in the clouds. And thinking, of, you know, starting to just remember that it is a, a mindset, and it's something that I'm still working on. I've I've got a lot of conditioning in white patriarchal culture, capitalist culture, you know, that is all that's always there and. I don't think I'm ever going to fully get rid of it, but the more and more I lean into this idea of um, the, the cycle of life and you know being one with nature, and not one with nature is like I know I'm the same as the tree, like I'm I'm different, but I'm indelibly related to it. Yeah, and you're, it's a journey. Yeah, the goalposts constantly move. Like if you think that <laughs> you reach a goal and then you hit that goal and like you're done. That's the whole point of life and change and our spiritual evolution and our journey is that I'm learning more now and I know more now than I did before. And hopefully I'm taking that wisdom and that knowledge with me into the next iteration and step in my life and into the next life and all of that, right? So yeah, you may not necessarily reach where you think you should be right now, but it's an evolution. It's a process. 100%. Tell me, what, what is the goal of a tree? <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's, the, like, what's the goal of a river? Like that doesn't, like it doesn't, it kind of, it doesn't make sense when we look at these natural things and when we remember, wait a minute, I'm a natural thing too. Why am I hooked into this artificial um, metric that is completely made up? And, um, and I, and I, I'm too, like, I, I definitely get that way, but the more and more I lean into it, the easier my life becomes, the less anxiety I have, the more trust I have in my guides, the more trust I have in spirit, the more trust I have in life that even when crap happens, I'm like, all right, well, this is what's happening. This is going to work out. You know, I still have to deal with stuff. I still have to learn from it. I still have to engage in it, but it's not as uh, victim-y or anxiety-producing once I've made more and more I make this connection. Yeah, because you're also, again, not trying to control it at that point. You're like, all right, I, I'm trying to understand it from the viewpoint that I'm at. I'm going to release it and let it go and then just be, which again, sounds very simple and it can be hard to do, but in sometimes, in some cases it is very simple and that's all you have to do. So what things did we not cover that you wanted to cover and, or you feel led to share with the listeners that you want to maybe dive into? I want to, I'm going to invite people to be curious. I think be curious about yourself, be curious about nature. There's so much out there, so much wisdom and healing available for you just by intentionally being with nature. And it's subtle and it's going to look different than people might expect. I've had people come to classes I've taught about shamanic journeying and they want to come and they just want to have this experience about journeying. And I'm like, experiences are great, but if you don't understand the deeper why to it, you're going to miss some stuff. Then it's no, you know, if someone's coming in just because they like how it feels to get Reiki, cool, that's great. But if you're not, if you can take that and then ride with it 
then that's going to be, that's good. You know, use that as a, a, a catalyst for something bigger. Then that's really wonderful. So I, I want people to be curious that I think there's no end to this, to what we can explore, to learn about the mycelial network. You talk about how the trees connect, you know, communicate with each other. They do that through fungi. That basically covers everything on the planet. You know, when I water my plants here in the office or at home, I'm actually making a heartfelt connection with the plant. I'm just like, well, the plant needs water and turning it into a task is something that needs to get done. Like I'm actually asking the plant, when is, when is enough? Is this, is this, are you good? You know, do we need this to do more frequently? And, you know, or that's something that people can do when they're living in the cities, work with houseplants, grow your own, grow your own herbs. You know, if you have a chance to have a small little garden, you know, if you have pets, what's it like to see the, see the world through the eyes of your pet who might be two feet tall? You know, what does it look, what does the world look like from that angle? What does the world look like from that you know, simplistic space? These ways can just start to remind ourselves that our way of life is not healthy and we can, it's not natural and we can step more into that. Yeah. No, I love, love, love that because the be curious is for everything, you know, both with nature and then anything else. It's like when you lose that curiosity to kind of like, well, wonder why that happens or why do I feel this way or, you know, all of it, right? That gives you, that opens the door versus having the door shut on you. Mm -hmm. It's easy to shut the door. It's easy to, and it's, and it's easy to get hardened. It's easy to go to a space of uh, fear. It's easy to go to a space of not trusting um, other people. It's, it's very easy. And we get, you know, overly, we get, I would say the word bombarded is strong, but we get, you know, we get, we, that message gets reinforced time and time and time. You can't trust this person. You can't trust that person. You can't trust this. This terrible thing happened. You got to watch out for that. Don't go on a cruise. Don't go, don't fly in a plane. Don't drive in a car. Don't walk. Don't walk at night. You know, like don't eat this, that. Don't eat that. Right. Um, is this making you sick? Is this, you know, this symptom, you know, watch out for this. You could be having, you know, did you sneeze? You could be dying. Like there's, there's so much for us that we get reconditioned in this space that when we open back, it's very easy to be there. It's very, very easy to be there. And it, it's, there's some inertia there. So it can be a little hard for us to step out of it, but it's entirely possible. And I think that there's a world of, there's a world waiting to be explored. I don't think nature is going to, when we, when we start connecting to it, it's going to be like, where have you been? They're going to be like, Hey, welcome back. Or thanks for finally showing up for us yeah. and protecting yeah. us and helping mm-hmm. versus, you know, the other. So absolutely. So if people want to get a hold of you, how do they, what was the, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? And if there's anything else that you want to share about what you're offering in the future, please feel free. Sure. So I can be reached at daveironman.com. And I am currently working on my second book. I did write a book and released it last year on shamanic journeying. I am currently working on my second book. I'm hoping to get that out this summer, which is very much about this topic, about practical, easy ways for in an everyday life. How do you connect with nature more? How do you understand it more? How do you kind of open your mind and your eyes and your ears to what nature is and that you're nature too? It's uh, preliminarily titled, You Are a Nature Spirit. Ah, that's great. And so no shamanic training required, no spiritual training required. I will, I'm going to have things in there that if you do know how to journey, if you do have these other things, here's an Here's extra things you can add into it, but not required. This is, my aim is to make this accessible. That for anybody, this is how to connect. This doesn't feel right. What we're doing, this doesn't feel good. I need something else. Great. Here's all these ways that you can do that. Yeah. And I think people are yearning really more lately. Like there's, they want that deeper understanding, that deeper knowing at the same time, they oftentimes can feel overwhelmed. Okay. Hit it hit for me. What are the simple things I can do? What are the practical ways? Because until they get a little bit more ingrained and a little bit deeper into it, where they can focus and practice more, then that's, you know, at least that's what I'm hearing and seeing a lot more lately. Yeah. It's overwhelming to try mm-hmm. and like do it all. So it's, it's starting small. Like I like just watering your plants and doing that with intention, going for a walk with intention, you know, connecting with your pet with intention, you know, and there's, there's all of these or breathing in, Welcome, breathing out, thank you with intention. I'm going to use that. <laughs> it's so great. 
I, mm-hmm. I, I, I do that too. If when I'm practicing Qigong, I will add that in there. It's just like, Oh, just, I feel like my, my shoulders drop a little bit more. My breath gets a little deeper when I do that. Let's do that. Let's do that for the listeners. Okay. Before right. we close out, let's say, all right, let's breathe in everyone with intention and welcome that energy in huge breath in and breathe out with intention and say, thank you. Awesome. That feels so different, doesn't it? When you do that. Yeah. I want to say thanks again, Dave, for being on the show. I know what I will do for people that if you haven't listened to the prior episode, I'll be sure to include when Dave was on almost, like I said, two years ago, over two years ago. Yeah. You were an original and OG guest. So that's why I wanted to bring (laughs) you back. And uh, yeah, I will make sure to include your contact information in the show notes too. But thank you again for um, joining and being on. Thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate it. Hi, I love the podcast. This is M from Florida. I had a question. First of all, I love the episodes where you talk about dreams, but I have a question about I will wake up from a dream and there is kind of like almost a residual dream world around me. Um, I can see the outlines of people and things and it just kind of looks like a hazy shadow. And I didn't know if you've experienced that or any of the other dream guests have experienced um, that and what that might be. Thank you so much for building this community. I'm so glad that you brought this question up. And that's because a lot of us, when we are dreaming and we're about to awaken, we forget that there's that in-between state and that in-between state when we're in the dream world and also just coming back into that physical reality really gives us an opportunity to kind of sit in it and gives us the chance to say, okay, do I want to go back into dreaming and in that lucid dreaming where I can kind of control the dreams and experience that? Or do I want to sit in that in-between state and kind of a little bit more meditate, feel the feelings, the intentions and everything else that comes with it? Or do I want to just blissfully move into my day and awaken fully from that standpoint? So the answer is yes, I've experienced it. I'm glad that you have. And now the next time that you're in that in-between state, you can actually take it to the next level and see how you can have your dreams work for you a little bit more deeply. So thanks again for listening to the show and for submitting this question. Hope that answered it for you. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.